When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening. It's Wednesday, the pot of tea is on the go and we're going to take a deep dive into the decade that we weirdly call the noughties and to the football of its time. This is the Noughties Nostalgia Podcast and it is episode 21. Today, we're going to be looking at the Premier League's fastest ever goal at the time. Spoiler, it's not anymore. As that happened 20 years ago today, about seven miles from where I'm recording this video right now. Table Never Lies goes to Spain and to La Liga in 2001. But first, remaining in La Liga, we're going to look at some Europa League dominance. And when we're talking about Spain and Europa League dominance, there is only one team that we can really discuss, and it is Sevilla. Sevilla, going into the 2005-06 season, had just one league title to their name in 1946. They participated in the European Cup when only one team from each country could join as Real Madrid were dominant in the European Cup in the early 50s. In the first five seasons, they won the European Cup each and every single year. So Sevilla were invited to take part as second place of La Liga in 1957 for the third ever European Cup. So they made their first foray into European football. They beat Benfica, a young Benfica who weren't the team as they would become in the 60s under the likes of Eusebio and Erhus of Denmark until they bowed out of the quarterfinals to the eventual winners, of course, that is Real Madrid. It was the first same nation tie in the European Cup and it went, of course, to the Los Blancos 10-2 on aggregate. Anyway, Sevilla would play in Europe six more times prior to the 2005-06 season. In 1962, they qualified for the Cup Winners' Cup as Copa del Rey runners-up as Real Madrid has, has of course, won the uh, La Liga and qualified for the Champions League European Cup at the time. They would lose 4-2 on aggregate to Rangers, Sevilla, that is, in the first round of the Cup Winners' Cup. But 20 years later, they would return to Europe to the UEFA Cup and lost 4-1 on aggregate to Kaiserslautern in round three. 
They wouldn't get to round three again until 1995 via two more trips to Europe, to spot in Lisbon in round one in 1983 and to torpedo Moscow in round two in 1990, losing 4-3 on aggregate in both contests. 1995-96 season, they returned to round three and it was another all-Spanish tie that they became the victim of once more Barcelona, losing 4-2 on aggregate as Barcelona... They'd just come out of the Johan Cruyff era, I believe, and were about to come again in the late 90s with the likes of Rivaldo and Figo, etc. Another up-and-coming team, or they were sort of on the back nine by this stage in 2004-05 season for Sevilla's sixth, seventh, sorry, European campaign, Parma. Sevilla got to the fourth round of the UEFA Cup and lost 1-0 on aggregate. That season, Sevilla were defeated home and away by Osasuna in La Liga and La Liga's rules at the time, and still are today. The tiebreaker of head-to-head had them fifth despite Sevilla's better goal difference for Osasuna and level on points. The 1-0 home and away in La Liga that season cruelly dumped them into the UEFA Cup instead of the Champions League. They weren't to be unsuccessful in Europe, unlike Osasuna though. Juan de Ramos has signed the likes of Luis Fabiano, Freddy Canute up front and Julian Escude at the back. And Escude, Canute and Fabiano would all play in the UEFA Cup final that year. The goal scorers wouldn't have the best of seasons in front of goal, but they both scored in the final of the UEFA Cup. The final, of course, was against Middlesbrough. And Middlesbrough, that season, that magical, magical season we've discussed before on this show where they beat the likes of Basel and Stau Bucharest with mind-bending comebacks at the Riverside Stadium. But looking at the team, you had Palop in net, who was a class goalkeeper. Danny Alves and Jesus Navas down the right-hand side. Um, There's not a better... I don't think there was much better combinations down a wing for any team in Europe with the likes of Alves and Navas. Both young, exciting talents. Javi Navarro was the captain at centre-half and you had Javier Saviola up front with... Luis Fabiano, Freddy Cunute would come off the bench in the match. Sevilla was successful in Europe for the first time, but the second season was even better. They beat Barcelona in the Super Cup to kickstart what was, I think Jose Mourinho would call it a treble. I probably wouldn't, but it was a treble. Sevilla won again against Barcelona in March, which had them momentarily top of La Liga with 13 matches to play. But in and amongst the typical, traditional UEFA Cup congestion, the likes of Shakhtar, Tottenham and Osasuna wins en route to the final. They would fail to score in three successive La Liga games, 0-0 against Racing Santander and Osasuna and a loss against Valencia. They wouldn't fall too far though qualifying for the Champions League for the, fir- for the first time since 1957, so a long time coming, half a century there. Penalties would be kind... Penalties would be kind to Sevilla in Glasgow, becoming the first team to retain the UEFA Cup since a Spanish team, and that was Real Madrid in 1985 and 1986. The following season, though, penalties wouldn't be kind to Sevilla. They would surpass the group stages with consummate ease and get into the last 16 against Fenerbahce, which was quite a favourable tie when you look at the teams that they could have been drawn against. But after two 3-2 scorelines, one win, one loss, it went down to penalties and the Turkish team won out to play Chelsea in the quarterfinals. Chelsea, of course, made the final that year in a losing effort to Manchester United. Sevilla would win the 
UEFA Cup again, now known as the Europa League in 2014, once more on penalties, and then in 2015 against Dnipro, and then became the first Europa League team to win three in a row against Liverpool in 2016. And of course, to complete the set, they won their sixth title in 2020 with a win over Inter Milan. This season, though, they won't be able to retain their trophy as they qualify for the Champions League knockout stages a couple of weeks back and will be finishing up. Oh, by the time this goes out, this they will have finished up their group stage campaign and are to be placed second in their group alongside Chelsea. My question today is, are they one of the best sides out of the quote-unquote elite of European football of the 2000s? So the elite is, of course, your... Barcelona's Real Madrid, Juventus, Inter Milan, AC Milan, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool. I think we can class Arsenal as, as the European elite at this stage, especially in the 2000s with the Invincibles run, the numerous league titles, and of course the Champions League final in 2006. Before the 2000s, I'd go out on a limb and say Sevilla were probably only known in these parts in Britain for being one of Diego Maradona's teams, the great Diego Maradona. Um, And to win multiple European titles in the 2000s, off the top of my head, Real Madrid did it in 2000-2002 in the Champions League. AC Milan did it in 2003-2007. I can't think of any more. Um, Barcelona in 2006 and 2009. So you have to class them, even though they were the Champions League and... Sevilla won the Europa League, UEFA Cup at the time, they can still be classed as a fantastic team because of the UEFA Cup's probably harder to win in terms of the mental fatigue that you would go through as opposed to, you know, playing top teams and playing better teams, inarguably. The teams outside the elite that I've shortlisted here are in England, Leeds and Newcastle, which Sevilla were more routinely in Europe than both of those, uh, like, Newcastle would make two Champions League, well, one Champions League group stages and one losing playoff uh, to Partizan Belgrade in 2003. Leeds famously had a couple of UEFA Cup runs and one Champions League run to the semi-final before dropping out of the top flight entirely in England. And in Spain, Deportivo were giving European football a good run for its money in the first half of the decade anyway, when they got to the semi-finals in 2004. Embarrassed a couple of teams in England, which we'll be discussing later on. Um, in the 2001-2 season, Valencia, of course, made two successive European finals, as did Sevilla. I think they're the only team to do so. So, you know, they are definitely up there. Um, in Italy, Roma and Lazio were successful in the earlier part, which I don't think you can class them as elite. Maybe Roma more so than Lazio. Lazio had a fantastic team, as did Parma, but they trailed off towards the end of the 2000s. In Germany, German teams weren't, that successful in the 2000s outside of, um, of course, Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. But Werder Bremen, Stuttgart, they were they were class teams at the time. Werder Bremen, of course, get to the uh, UEFA Cup final in 2009. Sporting Lisbon, of course, made a UEFA Cup final in 2005. Marseille did in 2004 in France. Monaco got to a Champions League final in 2004. So those are the teams I would rank alongside them. But for me... It's either Valencia or Sevilla that are at the top, in in terms of the 2000s anyway, at being the best non-elite team in Europe. We'll be coming back home after this short break where we'll be discussing one of the fastest ever Premier League goals 
and potentially one of the biggest what-ifs in English football. Welcome back. Today, we're going to be discussing something that happened 20 years ago today, a little under 10 miles away from where I'm recording this and to Valley Parade in Bradford, West Yorkshire. The fastest Premier League goal in December the 9th, 2000, 20 years exactly to the day, was scored in Bradford. It wasn't from a Bradford player, or no. It was from the travelling team from North London, Tottenham Hotspur. Ledley King, playing midfield on the day, scored his first ever senior club goal inside 9.82 seconds. Now, in terms of the Premier League, it blew the previous record out of the water. In terms of the goals that I could actually find in terms of the quickest in Premier League history, Chris Sutton's goal for Blackburn against Everton in their Premier League winning season on April Fool's Day, no less, fitting for Chris Sutton, where he scored inside 12.94 seconds, was beaten later that year by Dwight York for Aston Villa at Highfield Road against Coventry on September the 30th, 1995, where he scored inside 12.16 seconds. Now, of course, Ledley King shattered that record by a whole two and a half seconds for Tottenham in a win against Bradford, who would be relegated that season. The record stood for a huge 19 years until last year, when Southampton travelled to Watford, and Shane Long capitalised on a haphazard clearance from the Watford defence and put Southampton into the lead inside 7.96 seconds. That will never be beaten. It will struggle to be beaten anyway. A quick shout out to um, Asmir Begovic, who scored the quickest goal by a goalkeeper and 10th overall in Premier League history, scoring inside 13.4 seconds, I believe. And it has to be the goal from the longest distance out with that bizarre goal for Stoke against Southampton in, I think it was 2013 or 14. He just punts, punts it upfield and that famous Stoke wind takes it beyond Arta Boric in the Southampton net. Um, happier times for Stoke City. Anyway, let's move on to Ledley King. And I believe Ledley King is one of the biggest what-ifs in English football, at least in the 21st century. I think he could have been one of the best centre-backs of his generation. He grew up similarly in the same time as your Rio Ferdinand's John Terry's and being at Tottenham, obviously the link there is obviously to uh, Sol Campbell, who was, I would say, one of the best centre-halves in European football at the time, held back, I believe, by Tottenham, who were mid-table, would be a decent cup team, get to semi-finals, they've won a League Cup in 1999 with Sol Campbell there, the season where Ledley King made his debut for Tottenham in the league. And Campbell and Ferdinand were the first choice centre-backs for England at the 2002 World Cup. John Terry would break in for Euro 2004, as did Ledley King, um, who travelled but played half of the games in Portugal. Ledley King, unlike John Terry, Ferdinand, and by that point in 2006, Sol Campbell would play Champions League football every season. Ferdinand with Manchester United having moved from Leeds. Sol Campbell having made that treacherous journey from Tottenham to Arsenal in a free transfer. And John Terry as part of that Chelsea team who had got some uh, money behind them. Qualified for the Champions League and just stayed there ever since. King had a chance to uh, qualify without even making the transfer from Tottenham into what we call a big four team as Tottenham weren't there at the time, especially in 2006. 
they would play West Ham and of course Lasagna Gate happened. Ledley King would remain at Tottenham for the remainder of his career and won a League Cup in 2008. Similarly like Saul Campbell of course but by this point Ledley King's knees had gone. He wouldn't be able to train properly. He could only play one game in three and had to retire in 2012 at the age of 32 and played only 323 times for Spurs. And since the 2004-05 season, the season directly after the Euro 2004 tournament, which I'd regard as Ledley King's peak or the beginning of his peak, he he wouldn't play more than 30 times in a single season. His final tournament for England would be an absolute disastrous 2010 World Cup. He was injured in the first half against America and obviously England's injury worries at centre-half there meant that his uh, club teammate Michael Dawson was subbed in for Rio Ferdinand after he was injured prior to the tournament and you've got Matty Upps and Jamie Carragher all partnering John Terry at different stages of the tournament. We've spoken of Bradford City's time in the Premier League previously on this show so let's look at Tottenham Hotspur. As I said, Lely King was breaking into the squad for the 1998-99 season, the season where Sol Campbell led Tottenham to the League Cup. Campbell would leave the following summer after watching Tottenham lose in another FA Cup semi-final to Arsenal at Old Trafford and King would fill this void. He was a natural successor, had all the qualities that Sol Campbell did and like Campbell, his time would end with just one League Cup it wouldn't be in 2002 where King got to a final against Blackburn, um, but they were defeated by Graham Souness's team. But in 2008, in a final against Chelsea, one of only 10 appearances for King that day, he captained Spurs to a 2-1 win where his defensive partner, Jonathan Woodgate, scored with his face. He would play in the Champions League finally in 2010 after a number of years of attempting. And it, for me, in 2010, it looked as though Ledley King was finally going to have an Indian summer of a career where he'd play three or four or five seasons at the top consistently. Um, in the end, he would only play three Champions League games for Tottenham in a run that took them to the quarterfinals. So that's including qualifiers, that's probably 10, 11 games, I think. Um, he would play one qualifier against Young Boys of Bern and was included in the draw in Bremen and a win at home to FC20, of course, missing those famous nights against... Inter Milan, the famous win in the San Siro against AC Milan in the knockout stages. And for me, if he could remain injury-free, he would be on a par with your Rio Ferdinand's, John Terry's, Sol Campbell. I think he would have, he could have surpassed Sol Campbell. And I think had he remained injury-free, he might have outgrown Spurs as Sol Campbell obviously did Sol Campbell going on to score in a Champions League final for Arsenal. Of course, in a losing effort, but that's by the by. And perhaps if he had remained injury-free, could England have done something? It's very speculative, that one. But I think there can be no doubt unless, like Harry Kane, he could drag Spurs up to a regular top six, top four European, you know, solid performances in Europe. He could have stayed at Tottenham for the rest of his career as, as he was retiring. Tottenham were creeping into that big six territory. And it is a career probably left unfulfilled because he could have done so much more. Playing 323 times, it sounds a lot, but as a first-choice centre-half and captain, that should have been more like 700, 800. 
and he retired at 32, which is a really young age for a defender, especially when 32 is probably the years that they're probably leaving their peak. But like we've seen at the minute, Thiago Silva's 36 and he's at the top of his game, it seems, for Chelsea keeping clean sheets and his talk of him getting a contract extension at Stamford Bridge already a few months into the season. So he could have been playing up until potentially 2016, 2018, maybe for England as well, who knows. And it is a career, I believe, that could have reached the heights of Campbell, maybe Rio Ferdinand and John Terry had he flown the nest from Spurs and made a significant leap to a a big elite European team. Um, there's a what if, definitely in this, um, somewhere down the line, maybe it'll come out next year. Maybe I've already made the video about it, but what is certain, we'll be back after this break with The Table Never Lies and we're going to Spain. Viva España, we are back and we're going to La Liga where 20, no, 19 years ago today, this is how La Liga table looked. Now Deportivo La Coruña, they were the hunter, but they had become the hunted. They won La Liga, the first Spanish champions of the millennium in 2000, with 73 points. They dropped that tally by 4-69 to 69 the following season and couldn't regain their title. They were on the hunt again to regain their title and had a very good showing in Europe. Probably their best up until that point. They um, made a name for themselves in the UK, at least with me. Um, with wins over Manchester United and Arsenal, um, but they would bow out in the Champions League quarterfinals. Um, revenge exacted by Manchester United. But nowadays, of course, they are now in the third tier of Spanish football, as we've discussed previously on an episode of this podcast and in, of course, The Table Never Lines. 19 years ago today, though, they trailed Alaves. Alaves, who have just returned to La Liga in the past couple of seasons, and Alaves, who again had had a few successful years in Europe under their belts. They, of course, made the UEFA Cup final, making a name for themselves in England, of course, because in that final they put four goals past Liverpool, four goals that, of course, weren't enough because Liverpool scored five in Dortmund that night and won on the golden goal rule, which it was just a phenomenal game of football. Check it out if you've not seen it. And they would be forced into more UEFA Cup games the following season after this as they dropped down into 7th in the last of the UEFA Cup positions. Now, of course, joining Deportivo La Coruña in the Champions League would be the Clásico teams. It's always the Clásico teams. Real Madrid, they had uh, finished third, which was enough to keep Vicente Del Bosque in a job. It wasn't his league performance that kept him in a job, but it was a Champions League one. The ninth Champions League title that they had won in their long and tenured history in the competition and would be there third in five seasons, I believe, with 98 and 2000, followed up by 2002 and the 2-1 win over Bayer Leverkusen in Glasgow with that fantastic peerless Zinedine Zidane volley in, at Hampden Park. And Zidane was Real Madrid's only purchase of the season, but for good reason, as, he, as Real Madrid spent £47.5 on him, which, uh, of course, at that time in 2001, shattered all global record fees. Barcelona would join them and they clinch qualification for the Champions League by just four points from Celta Vigo, which seems unimaginable these days, but it's something that they might have to do this season as they are currently 
sliding down the uh, La Liga table with Ronald Koeman in charge and Lionel Messi on the brink of leaving the club. Anyway, that's by the by. The second team, the fourth team, sorry, to uh, join those illustrious names in the hat for the Champions League draw would become the champions of Spain that season. And it was the team there that you see on your screen now in eighth place, Valencia. After five wins in 16 games, they somehow conquered Spain. And it was, of course, Rafael Benitez's first season at the Mestalla. He only needed one season with Tenerife to secure the job. And like Alaves, Valencia were coming off a European final. In fact, they were coming off two. They were beaten in the first um, same nation final against Real Madrid in Paris with that Stephen Manaman scissor kick in a 3-0 win for Real Madrid, which sealed their eighth title. And Valencia would come back beating Valencia, beating Arsenal and Leeds, of course, on the way to the San Siro and to Bayern Munich, who, <laughs> being German, they would beat them on penalties, of course, after trading two penalties in normal time. Valencia have never been back to a European final, of course. They're now in financial disarray, selling half their team. But our mid-table at the moment in La Liga, and they would jump from eighth to first. It wouldn't be Valencia or Rafael Benitez's last La Liga title in this time frame for the club, as they would win it in 2004 as well. In a time much different than the... So with three years, so three years after 2004, we'd be well underway to getting Pep Guardiola into Barcelona and Barcelona were European champions. They would win another, what's it, 2009, 2011 and 2015. They'd win another three European Cups after uh, spending some time in the wilderness. Louis van Gaal would have a stab at the job, wouldn't get very far. Frank Rijkaard would do all right, but he had to contend with party boys such as Ronaldinho and Deco, Deco that were shelved under Guardiola. And of course, the tide had turned and Real Madrid, who spent relative seasons in wilderness, wilderness for Real Madrid being second and third places and round of 16 knockouts to, champ, to uh, Champions League opponents such as Leon and Porto and etc. etc. Until obviously claiming La Decima, Ancelotti Zidane passed through and Zidane's back. So looking at the other end of the table, we've got Real Sociedad who today occupy second place in La Liga after a terrific start, but look to be um, leveling out a little bit this season at least. Real Sociedad would um, recover and survive and make the Champions League places in a number of years time. The other two teams in there, Tenerife and Rayo Vallecano wouldn't obviously Tenerife relegated that season. Joining them, Real Zaragoza and Las Palmas, who sunk down and were relegated. The likes of Malaga, Espanyol, Deportivo, of course, not in La Liga anymore. Mallorca, not in La Liga anymore. Vallecano, not in La Liga anymore. Deportivo, the lowest ranked team in there, which, speaking in 2001, would be an absolute aberration because Deportivo were one of the best teams. I named them earlier in, earlier in the show alongside the likes of Roma and Lazio as one of the best teams of the 2000s. And now they're in the third tier of English football. And it's such a shame when the likes of Diego Tristan, the Pachichi Trophy winner this season, let's not forget, and the likes of Pandiani, 
they had a superb team and now they are a complete irrelevance. We've just got a short break for you now, but after that we've got a unsurprising correct answer from one of our listeners in our 2000s trivial teaser. Welcome back. So let's round the show off with a 2000s trivial teaser. So your boy and mine, Alex's Rhodes, guessed incorrectly with Pierre Van Hoydonk. The um, the teaser answer was Canu. Canu, who of course was guessed correctly by Maracas Flute and Scott Shaw again. Maracas Flute on two in a row, Scott Shaw five in a row, which is of course a Naughty's Nostalgia podcast record. Canu, obviously a striker. He'd been managed by Van Gaal at Ajax, Roy Hodgson at Inter Milan, and at Inter Milan he'd played alongside Paul Ince and Ronaldo Yari Littmanen at Ajax, and Robbie Earnshaw and Jeff Horsfield at West Brom in that great escape in 2005. So, our answer today, he's a central midfielder. He's been managed by Walter Smith and Trevor Cherry. He's played alongside Benito Carboni, Stan Collymore, Tony Cotti, Nevis Southall and Pat Nevin. Central midfielder, been managed by Trevor Cherry, Walter Smith and played alongside Benito Carboni, Stan Collymore, Tony Cotti, Neville Southall and Pat Nevin. An eclectic mix of different eras and of course different qualities there. If you think you know the answer, tweet us at whatif underscore YouTube. Leave your answer down below in the comments section. And of course, feel free to leave your opinions on the topics we've spoken about today, the La Liga season of 2001-2, Ledley King and his fastest ever Premier League goal in 2000 against Bradford City for Tottenham Hotspur and Sevilla's seeming dominance of the Europa League in the mid-2000s and of course beyond in 2014 to 2016. Next week we'll be talking about Valencia staying in Spain. No, not the time that Gary Neville managed them, but we will be talking about Gary Neville as part of Grand Slam Sunday, which the first ever edition of that Sky Sports marketing juggernaut appeared on our screen some time ago in the 2000s. We'll be t- discussing the best Super Sundays and going to Italy and to Serie A in 2001 for Table Never Lies. It will be our final episode of 2020. I know I'm sad as well, but it is, of course, back in 2021 after a wee Christmas break. Elsewhere on the channel, we'll be discussing the 1995 UEFA Cup final between Parma and Juventus. We've got Aston Villa, we've got Matt Busby, we've got Stan Collymore, Stephen Gerrard, Lee Gurn, and FIFA 2002. Find us at whatif underscore YouTube. Find us on YouTube. Drop your suggestions for future topics down below in the comments section, and I will see you next week. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.